In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, Apostles by the Sea. How are you? Good, good. Did any of you win the record-breaking Powerball jackpot this past week? Raise your hands. You did? Oh, well, neither did I. Neither did I. And it makes my, my shoulders slump lower. Well, but I did see a report on Thursday about one man who won just one of the $1 million prizes, not the $287 million or whatever it is that, that the two people split that got the big jackpot. But he won a $1 million prize. And he, was already, he, he had shown up on Thursday morning with his ticket ready to claim his money the very next day. Um, he knew what he wanted to do with it. And when asked, what are you going to do with your winnings? You know what he said? He said, I'm going to take my girlfriend to Red Lobster. <laughs> now, now there's a man who knows what to do with his money, right? Good grief. So, well, since I can't congratulate you on winning the, uh, the lottery, let me just say on this um, December 2nd, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, church. Because today is the, the beginning of the church's year. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Our church, our, our church year runs from, from the first Sunday of Advent, which begins the season of waiting and preparation and anticipation. Uh, and, you know, we remember Jesus' first Advent when he came to us as a baby in Bethlehem, and we look forward to his second coming uh, when he will, will, he will restore all things, make all things new. That's how our church year begins. And, and then we have that short season of Christmas. You know what Christmas is about. It's when um, it tells that amazing story, that amazing mystery, a mystery of Jesus becoming incarnate. That means he became human being. He, be, he put on our flesh. He became one of us. Then right after that, we get the season of Epiphany, which uh, celebrates when God in Jesus was manifested to the whole world. That's when we celebrate and we remember the three wise men who come. Uh, to, 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 to behold this Savior of the Jews. It's the first time non-Jews worship God's Messiah. It's a pretty cool moment. Uh, but we, a lot of times we, we include the wise men at Christmas. Well, they came later. They came uh, a little bit later at the Epiphany. We also celebrate uh, at the Epiphany Jesus' presentation in the temple and his baptism. It's kind of his start of his public ministry to, uh, to the world. Then the next season we get in the church year is Lent. And Lent, you remember, is that season that comes before Easter. And it's the time of, uh, that the church sets aside for special um, repentance. And I, and I want to make sure you understand this. Repentance doesn't mean being sad. Repentance means turning. Okay, Turning. Turning back to God. Because the church acknowledges, hey, human beings um, have a tendency to wander. We're prone to wander, Lord. And, and, and so the church gives us a special season to be especially mindful of turning back to God, turning away from those things that have drawn us away from Him and turning back to Him. Lent also looks forward to the cross. It's, a, it's that time when we, we, we look at the cross the whole year. The cross is central to our faith, but, but it, Lent focuses us on that aspect of Christ's story. And kind of, we, we become more mindful of everything it costs God to reconcile us. He took our sin upon himself. He died in our place. So we remember that. Then comes Holy Week, right at the end of Lent, which tells of the fi final hours of Jesus' life before the crucifixion on Good Friday. Holy Week, like Christmas, is one of the holiest times of the year. 
And we spend uh, a lot of time in prayer that week and in fasting. We confess our sins that week, remembering all that God has done for us in Jesus. And then also readying our hearts to celebrate with joy what comes next, which is the resurrection, Easter Sunday morning. And that's when our joy is fullest. Because God has won the victory over sin. He's defeated death and everything that separates us from him. He's done it. He's won. Everything sad comes untrue at the resurrection of Jesus. We're no longer separated by God from, by, from God by sin. But we're reconciled to him. Forgiven, redeemed, made beloved children and heirs in his kingdom. The best thing that could ever happen has happened. So much better than winning the Powerball. Christ has risen from the dead. And he's wiped away everything that could take us out of God's hands. Nothing can separate us from Christ. Nothing can separate us because of that resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. The Easter season lasts 50 days. It culminates in the celebration of the day of Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is what empowers us to live a Christian life. Our sins were forgiven by the death and the resurrection of Christ. But uh, true life in God didn't happen until the Holy Spirit came. That's when God breathed his life into us. That's when, we were that's when we became fully alive in God. That's the best thing that God has for us, to be filled with his very life, to be filled with his spirit. That's what makes us really remade in God's image. And then that day begins the long season of Pentecost. It's the season of growth uh, now that new life has been given to us. And during that season, we sit at the feet of Jesus and we listen to him. We hear from his teachings and we, and we just walk through. We hear his parables, we hear his teachings, and we let him teach us as our King of kings and our Lord of lords. And that's actually how the, the season of Pentecost ends on Christ the King Sunday, which was last week. That's when we celebrate that he is enthroned in heaven and ought to be enthroned in our hearts. Now, that brings us back here. First Sunday of Advent, when we start telling the great story all over again. And that's what the church year uh, looks like. Today we stand at the beginning of a new church year, ready to recall again everything that God has done for us. All right, that was a brief summary of the Christian year. Now I'm going to talk about the text for the day. Over these last few weeks, we've heard a lot of stuff, a lot of scary and hard stuff about the end of the world. We've heard a lot of stuff sounding uh, that, that talk about wars and earthquakes and, and famine, and today Jesus is at it again. He speaks of those things. Listen to what he says. He says, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and of the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, I want you to just think about this. Isn't our world fixated on that kind of stuff? I mean, isn't it? I mean, how often do we hear about the sea levels rising, right? I mean, we hear about that all the time. Global warming is a huge issue, and I'm not saying it's not true. It probably is, but the thing is, we hear about it. It's on our minds, and we talk about it, and we're really concerned about it. Uh, the end of the Mayan calendar. Has anybody been paying attention? According to the Mayan calendar, we only have like uh, 20 days left. So, you know, get busy living the life that God has called you to live. Because if, according to the Mayans, the world ends in 20 days. Now, it's not going to happen. Uh, but, what was that? 
<laughs> Don't buy anybody Christmas presents. Christmas, no, see, Christmas is going to come. The Mayan apocalypse is not going to happen. But the thing is, I mean, best-selling books are all about the end of the world. Movies are about these huge apocalypses, right? And you, I mean, the aliens are coming, and they're going to destroy the world. And, and we need somebody, you know, like Will Smith to save us, Right? <laughs> Because, because, the, because some cataclysmic destruction of all of the life on, on, on the planet is happening. Several shows on TV this season are about terrible disasters happening to the world, and most of life has been wiped out. I can think of several of them. We love this stuff. We eat this stuff up. Didn't win the lottery and need some money? Write a book about the apocalypse. You're going to make money, and it's going to be good. It's a sure bet. Now, Christians get into it, too. There's a whole series that came out some years ago. I know you heard about it. It's the, the Left Behind series, right? And, and um, the, the books were hugely popular, made tons of money for the authors, based on a misreading of Scripture and a lot of wild, misguided imagination, though. It didn't matter. The Christian world just ate it up. We're just gonna, we love this stuff. Tell us more about it. Jesus didn't say these things this, in this reading to encourage us to have runaway imaginations about the end of the world. And he didn't say these things so that we could make charts and timetables to predict when the end of the world would be. He didn't say these things to fill our hearts with fear about the future. He said them to encourage us. Look at what he says. He says that when these things are happening, when the world seems like it couldn't be worse, when your world is falling apart and there seems to be no hope, what does he say? He says, then raise your heads for your redemption is near. Isn't that amazing? The world's going to feel like it's falling apart. People around you are going to be freaking out. And Jesus says, raise your heads. Your redemption is near. That's what Jesus says. Then you will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when you see these things to, to begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because redemption is drawing near. And then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees, as soon as they sprout, uh, sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus gives us three images right there. Three images for what the coming of the Son of Man will be like. Three things, he says, are near. And what are those three things? Your redemption is near. Summertime is near. And the kingdom of God is near. What's it going to be like when Jesus returns? What's it going to be like when the world seems to be like it's falling apart and when Jesus returns? Well, it's going to be like redemption and summertime and a kingdom in which the king is your dad, but the best dad possible. And you know what? Those are good things. Those are amazing things. Let's look briefly at what those things, those three things, okay? Do you know what redemption means? Well, it comes from a situation in which a person had gotten him or herself into a whole lot of trouble, a lot of debt usually, and in order to pay back that debt, they didn't have the means themselves to pay it back, so in order to pay back that debt, they would sell themselves into a type of slavery uh, in order to pay off the debt to the person that they were in debt to, and they would go into this thing. Now, and if the, if the debt was extreme enough, that, that slavery, slavery would last for their entire lives. They'd be able to eat. They would survive, but they would never be them, their, their, their own selves. 
right? They wouldn't have their life to live. They would be living on, be, on behalf of somebody else or for somebody else. And when that would happen, a close relative uh, would be able to find, could, if, 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 a close rev, excuse me, if a close relative had the means and found out about the trouble that their relative was in, then that close relative could come and pay the debt on their behalf. And that was called redeeming that person, okay? It was always a close relative. It, wasn't, it, was, it was never in the scriptures is it somebody that wasn't a relative. It's always a relative. Always somebody close in the family. Redemption was having your debt paid and having your life be given back to you. Redemption was getting your life back. It was one of the very best things that could happen to somebody who had been, uh, who had found themselves into a life enslaved to somebody else. And Jesus says that, that we have all given ourselves over in this life to a kind of slavery to sin and to death. But the good news is that he has come and he has paid the price to set us free and to redeem us. Jesus says that in the midst of the troubles of this life, to stand up and to lift our heads because our redemption is near. That's redemption. What's summertime? Has anybody ever heard of summertime? I mean, I don't need to describe it to you, do I? But I mean, summer comes after winter. And it comes after spring when, when things start to grow. But summer is, is, is when life is in its full bloom. Summer is when everything is just roaring with color and, and flowers are out and, and bumblebees sting people and stuff. That's not a good part of summertime. But most of summer is just this glorious thing that we wish would last forever. But then, no, fall comes and then winter comes again. And we have to wait for summer to come back. But what's it going to be like when Jesus returns? It's going to be like... A, a long summertime after a long, cold, dark winter. C.S. Lewis used this image in his book about Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And you remember how it goes. The witch kept the world always in a perpetual wintertime. And it was never Christmas. So even the good thing about winter, which is Christmas, wasn't allowed to happen in this world under the power of the witch. But when Aslan came, that great lion who stands for Christ, when he came and he gave his life for a boy to redeem him because he had, he had done something to indebt him to the witch, when he gave his life for the boy and then rose again, it broke the power of the witch. And soon, summer was spreading all over this place. They had been kept in a dark, cold winter for as long as the people could remember. Well, that's what Jesus says his second coming will mean for those who put their trust in him. If it feels like a long, cold winter in your life, then raise your heads and look up because summer is coming. Your redemption is near. A never-ending summertime of life, love, joy, and peace. That's what the kingdom of God is going to be like. That's what it's going to be like when he comes back. The next thing he says is it's going to be like the kingdom of God. It's going to be a place in which God's will will be done perfectly. And what is God's will? Well, we know from the, from the images that we get about that, that second coming and that reign of God in the end uh, in Revelation that it's going to be a place where uh, tears are going to be no more and pain are going to be no more and shame and fear are going to be no more. That's God's will. And it's going to be done perfectly. Only joy and peace in the kingdom of God. 
The king will be both our God and he'll be our dad, but not just any kind of dad, not a rotten dad or an abusive dad or a dad who never had time for you, but the best possible kind of dad you can imagine. A dad who does have time for you and is kind and is supportive and protective in everything a good dad, a good father should be. We'll worship him as our God, but we'll have access to him like he's our dad. Because a child always has access to a good father. And if the king is your dad, then what does that make you in the kingdom? It makes you not only a redeemed slave, because you'll be a redeemed slave, but you'll be more than that. You'll be a cherished son or daughter. And not only a son or daughter, but a child of the king. Redemption, summertime, and a kingdom. That's the future that awaits all of us who have put our trust in Christ. That's the future that we long for as Christians. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And if you're like me, then you have some worries in your life. But in the midst of all your troubles and worries, Jesus encourages us to stand up and to lift our heads because he has promised to come again, to put this world to rights. Our redemption is near. That long summertime of joy is near. The kingdom of God is near. And that's our hope and our joy this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, on this first Sunday of Advent, we do receive you. And we rejoice that you have promised to come again with power and with great glory. And we look for that day with eager anticipation. Lord, you know that this life is full of troubles and worries, and we often find ourselves overwhelmed by everything happening in the world around us. Help us in the midst of our troubles and worries to put our whole trust in in you. We long for our redemption, God, and for the summertime of your eternal reign in your kingdom. So come quickly, Lord, and save your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven.